Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom birth work your calling? Do you long to witness and support the awesome power of women as we make life, form kinship, and transform the world through undisturbed mother-centered birth? In your most expansive vision of your life, are you the authentic midwife of your community, walking in total grace, reciprocity, and trust with women through the sacred portal of pregnancy and birth? then our groundbreaking Radical Birthkeeper School is for you. It is an immersive, live, intensive mastermind in all things authentic midwifery that will give you the blueprint and guidance to launch a life-altering, world-shaking Radical Birth brand and business. Think Birth Business Mastermind, life-changing coaching intensive, deep dive into all things birth, step-by-step roadmap for serving women authentically, and the wise woman initiation that you have been dreaming of, all rolled into one epic program that will change your entire life. It is time to become the lighthouse that guides women home to ourselves. Head to freebirthsocietycourses.com slash radicalbirthkeeper now to claim your spot and say yes to your calling. With her first pregnancy, Ita wholeheartedly trusted her medical midwife and OBGYN to give her the gentle, natural birth she wanted. After her OB told her she had to be induced due to her baby's abnormal kidney size, she was left with a surgical birth that completely wrecked her first couple years of postpartum. When she got pregnant again, she found a Radical Birth Keeper graduate and other wise women to walk with her completely outside of the medical system. With her second daughter, she got the wild, beautiful birth she always wanted at 44 weeks gestation. Welcome, Ita. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for having me today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm so excited. Loving your background with the pink. (laughs) It's very festive. (laughs) And yeah, like I just told you before we were recording, I heard little bits about your your magnificent tale. Um, And I'm just so excited that you're here and that you're 
going to share with us this wild ride that you went on <laughs> with this baby. So let's just start from the beginning, you know, with, with your first child and tell us anything about that first birth that, that you want to share today. So it was wild. Uh, both of my births are very <laughs> wild and, but yeah, they're all, they both really beautiful at the same time. So I'm going to start with my first birth. So my daughter now, she is five and a half years old. So I'm originally from Indonesia. I'm from Jakarta. So I was pregnant in Indonesia and my husband is American. So when I was four months pregnant, I was, you know what? I don't want to live in the city life. Uh, it's, I mean, I was born and raised there. It was, it was, you know, you just know, like, I want to be somewhere that peaceful like you know near to the ocean and stuff so I moved to Bali when I was four months pregnant and then immediately I found this birding center in Bali Mm. who led by midwife who's all about gentle bird and you know beautiful it's just beautiful like they have nice ambiance Uh, all the midwives are super nice and I just thought this is what I want to birth my baby so I started my prenatal care right away in, um, in that birding center. And so the midwife, the main midwife was super lovely. I asked her, do you have any recommendation for OBGYN? And she said, yes, I do. This is a phone number. If you need uh, to see him, you can call him. It's his basically pro gentle bird as well so I'm like great this is amazing I have a midwife I have a you know pro gentle bird OBGYN so I started my prenatal care but at the same time I go to the OB every month to get my ultrasound still so I will go to brain center to get my final check because they don't have a ultrasound machine so that's where I go to go to get it from my OBGYN. Pregnancy was a breeze, I would say. I mean, I was in Bali. We were like, you know, living the best life, basically. (laughs) But I was pretty much, I was mainly by myself because my husband has to be in the U.S. and I was still waiting for my visa. Oh, no. So, exactly. So, he was only uh, physically with me during pregnancy twice. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Did you have friends in Bali? Yes. So my best friend lived in Bali uh, at this time. That's why I was like, you know what? I cannot be in Jakarta anymore. M- my best friends are in Bali. Sure. There's no way. I was like, I need the most support. And yeah. so it just like no brainer. Move to Bali is the best decision ever. And so everything was great, basically. And I'm like, you know, being like pregnant, a woman but at the same time you know just like trusting just my trust my midwife trust my OB I don't have to do anything else in between mm-hmm. you know and fast forward uh to 37 weeks pregnant and then at this time my husband is back in Bali to be with me during labor and then we're all gonna go back to the U.S. together so he's staying in Bali. And that morning, I remember I, I thought my water broke. 
And I was like, I feel the gush when I pee. I'm like, oh, is my water broke? But I have no idea what the water broke is going to be, you know? I just, in my head, I'm like, just, you know, is my water broke? Anyway, so I text my midwife and then he, she said, uh, I don't know. I cannot be sure that your water broke or not, but you can meet the doctor and then, you know, see an ultrasound if your water broke or not. So she, I was like, okay fine so I go I call my OB and he said yeah come to the office and then got checked immediately and then he saw we all see it on the screen and like oh no your water is fine my OB said oh okay I was like I guess I was wrong and then as he was keep like looking around and then his face turned a little bit like more like worried and then I was like so we were like still like joking and everything and then he was like oh, give me one second. And then it was very serious. It turns into a serious face. And I'm like, uh, what's wrong? Oh, I found something in your daughter's kidney now. And I'm like, what? And I was just, I don't know. I just fell. I mean, I can still feel it at this time, that moment when I see his face. And he said, uh, your baby's kidney is larger than the left one. And I was like, Really? And let me tell you this, two weeks prior, I just got my ultrasound check and then everything was fine, basically. And I was like, how? And he was like, give me one second. Let me make sure again, let me make sure again. And when he's done, he set us down and then he told us about the kidney. He was like, the kidney is twice the size as the left. And it was completely turned me into like, what is going on? It was fine two weeks ago. How is it? How did you find it now? And you didn't yeah. find it two weeks ago. Anyway, mm. we were shocked. My husband and I, we were like, what should we do now? And he sound, and my Obi was making it sound, it was very, it was very serious. So he said, I need, you, I need you to deliver your baby immediately. And since you are already 37 weeks, you are full term, you mm. know? And I'm like, really? Like, I was, I mean, even my head, I'm like, really? Like right now? He said, tomorrow, come to the hospital. We can induce you. And I was, basically, we were like, all right, let's think about this. Mm. And we'll let you know tomorrow. And all night, my husband and I, we cannot sleep. I was crying so much. I already put all the blame. I thought, like, this must be my fault. All the stress that I went through during pregnancy, I'm like, that must be it. That must be the stress that, you know, I caused this, the, her kidney to be, to be like this. And it was, it was just stress. You know, you just, like, who wants to hear on it? For, as a first-time mother to hear oh your baby's kidney is wrong something's wrong with it and the next day I told my husband okay let's just get induced he was like he was still Are you sure yeah what if something you know we don't know what what's gonna happen and my OB was he was making it very serious he's basically was saying we need to deliver your baby as soon as possible so we know the treatment right away we can find the treatment right away and then I was like all right 
sure. So the next day, I told my husband, let's do this. I want to make sure our baby is fine. So went to the hospital, got admitted right away, start to get induced right away. Um, so we were there, I was there for three days. And so day one, they give me uh, like a powder orally, where you, yeah, you, you take orally. And I didn't feel anything all day. And a little later in the evening, I start feeling, getting all the contractions that kept me up all night. And then in the morning, it was gone. Basically. You know, it's crazy. You know, that's, that's Cytotech, which yeah. is the abortion pill. Oh. It's really crazy. Yeah, no, I still, I, have, I still don't know what's the name of it. Well, of course. Why would you? It's not like they're telling anyone anything. Yeah. I mean, typically, I guess I can't say 100% sure, but typically the first step of induction is either Cytotec, which is an oral, or Cervidil, which is a gel that's placed yeah. in your cervix. Um, and it's, yeah, Cytotec causes forced contractions. Um, and it's what women take around the world to help them release an early pregnancy. And it's so dangerous um, for, for a full-term baby and mom. And it's just wild. The, the risks that the medical system take with mothers and babies, it's just so, so scary anyway. So you had some contractions and then it goes away the next day. Yeah. So, uh, and then the day two, so the nurse came and I said, nurse contractions gone. What's going to happen now? Oh, okay. Now, uh, I can give you this, I guess, like a little pill that she put it on my vagina and I said, okay, sure. Again, no question. She asked, please, you know, and same thing happened. Didn't, there's nothing happening during the day. And then in the evening, contraction came back and I woke me up again all night to have contraction. And in the morning, it was gone again. And yeah. at this point, it was like, it, it, at this point, I'm super exhausted. And, you know, I started feeling like, I started feeling, is this really what bird's supposed to be? I, you know, I was, because I never heard people I mean, at that time, only little of my friend ever gave birth. So I never really, I don't really have a lot of like birth story at all. Like, especially, I did, and all, everybody gave birth at the hospital anyway. So I thought, okay, this is just a normal process. But I remember day two, I was exhausted. And I'm, I told my husband, I cannot do this every day. Like, how long do we want to do this? It's obvious my, our baby did not want to come out now. and. My husband knows how exhausted I was. So he called his mom in the US and asked about, do you know, you know, if you can find out more about this uh, kidney situation, which it's called hydronephrosis. Yeah, the kidney is larger than the left one. And my mom-in-law at that time uh, saying, you know what, according to some of the family member in, uh, in her family saying that it, it was not dangerous at all. It was, you don't have to get, you know, you don't have to deliver right away. And then we were like, so what are we doing here? So on day three, my OB came and then explained to us that those two induction did not work. 
So we will tell you what the next one is, which is through the IV. And he said, but there's like 50-50 chance you can, you know, it can make the labor going or you will end up in emergency section. So he said that to us. And I think that word really, really struck me and my husband. And we were like, we were like looking at each other and like, no, I don't want that. So we asked him again, doctor, what is this with my daughter's kidney? Is this a life and death situation? And then he said, no. And then I was, so why are you doing this to us? It is not life and death, you know? And so right away, I told my husband, let's just go home. I don't want to be in the hospital right now. It's too much. So I told my OB, I just want to go home. I'm just going to wait until my baby come naturally. And he said, okay, sure. So we left the hospital on day three. So I go back to my birthing center and then get all the prenatal care. I updated my midwife about it and stuff, you know. And so, but when we came back from the hospital, I called my OBGYN in Jakarta. So I have like four OBGYN at this point <laughs> and all male OBGYN. Yeah. Looking back, like seriously, sometimes I'm like, why? I mean, why they're all the me? same. The female ones are just as bad. I know, but I was just like, oh, gosh, I must be that disconnected that like they never really question male BGYN. It sounds good. Give it to me. Yeah. And I call my male BGYN in Jakarta and he said, no, I, uh, I asked his co-worker, his colleague, basically what happened to my baby kidney is nothing to be worried about. You can still go on with my plan to have natural birth. Don't worry about it. But it's also better if you keep monitoring the size of the kidney so you don't want to the size is getting bigger and bigger which that he recommended me to see this new OBGY in Bali and we will go to have weekly ultrasound to just make sure that the kidney is not getting bigger so that's what we did we found this new OB um I would say, I mean, he's nice, you know, they're all nice, but at the same time, they're also doctors. And we can we keep going every week to get checked. And her kidney, thank God, stayed the same. Never did not get bigger, did not get smaller, just stayed the same. And 40 weeks pregnant, I remember I had a contraction. And uh, so our house and the birding center, it was like one hour away. It was very far. And, and it's like Bali far. So because Bali is small, so it's really far. And I remember I told my husband, like, keep the app tracking contraction. And I feel this is getting uh, closer and it's steady. Let's go. My, uh, our friend drove us to the birding center in the middle of the night with me having contraction in the back, it was the worst thing ever. And then got into the birthing center, got checked. Oh, you only dilate two centimeters. And then the contraction completely gone. And then I'm like, oh my God, why does this keep happening to me? You know, and disappointed, very disappointed. Came back again, came back home with like, with, you know, at this point I'm just lost. 
I was that naive thinking people will tell me something at least or like telling me this is normal or like this is the process or this is you just have to be patient you know I was literally maybe waiting to hear that from people but nobody really tell me so I was just in my head live in my head questioning everything and which caused me more stress than ever too and every time I went to my the birding center they check my blood level you know and then the midwife always said I think you have a high blood pressure and I was like I don't have high blood pressure yeah but your heart but you know it's always the number is always so high I think it's safe to check through urine because if you are having blood pressure I don't think it's a good idea to give birth in a birthing center oh my God. so I did like a bunch of check urine test, maybe like two times or three times always came back negative and I always told the midwife you see I don't have I don't have high blood pressure you know and yeah but we just want to make sure that you don't have it because the number is always high and it was because I'm always so nervous every time I Obviously. see that yes, what do you call I just feel like okay this is it they're gonna check my blood out and then I'm just, you know, thinking about the worst thing. And then obviously my blood pressure looks high. And 40 weeks passed by and 41 weeks, I had another contraction. Basically, ever since I came back from the hospital until my daughter was born, I always have contractions. Yeah, that's normal. Every day. Yeah, every day for like, so that. And wow, staying pregnant for a whole nother month. (laughs) right so 41 weeks uh I got another contraction went back to the birthing center got checked again only two centimeter dilate and another disappointment and came back home and this is the 41 weeks plus five so I remember the next day I will have it will be 42 weeks uh I had contraction went to the birthing center and I met the, the my the main midwife and then again it was always disappeared basically my contraction just gone as soon as I'm in birthing center so she said why don't you stay at the hotel nearest the birthing center so if the contraction came back you can just you know walk to the birthing center so that's what we did and then the next day I saw a bloody show I never was I was never been that happy to see blood in my in my undies I was like finally something and in my head oh I must be like dilate eight centimeters by now you know and rushed to go to birthing center feeling so happy and hopeful and got checked again and the midwife said oh it was only two centimeters and I was how is this happening what is going on with my body so you know already feeling all the failure in the whole world basically and not knowing, like, can I really do this? Is my baby ever going to come out? Does she want to come out? Can she come out? And so, but I stay a little longer that day. And my midwife kept checking on my baby heart rate with Doppler and stuff, you know, make sure like her heart rate is fine. And then at some point she checked again. And then she said, oh, your baby's heart rate is up and down. I feel like something is wrong. And I was just like laying down there feeling already like, okay, what else? What's next now? You know, and Damn. and I feel like something is wrong. And then she, I remember she said, are you going to be 42 weeks tomorrow? I said, yes. And so she 
as she checked my baby's heart rate, she asked my husband, what do you think? I feel like something, uh, she's, she's in, uh, I think your baby is stressed right now. What do you think? And my husband's like, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. I have no idea. So she asked me, like, oh, you're going to be 42 weeks tomorrow. Yes. I think I will be more comfortable if you keep her at the hospital. Ew. I, and at, at this point, too, I never questioned anything. I was, I trust you. Yes. So they brought me to, yeah. you know, in the ambulance. She said, I will go with you to the hospital. I will never gonna throw you under the bus. I'll mm-hmm. stay with you. I'll stay with you until your baby is here. So we went to the hospital where my new OBGYN at and met him. Mm-hmm. And he said, I give you an hour, you know, like I give you an hour, figure it out if you want to go on natural bird or you want to go cesarean. And so try to. And my midwife was, uh, was saying, get some, get a nap, you know, and maybe when you wake up, you will have, you know, answer for this. So I tried to have a nap with my husband. So they give us this room next to our room was this woman in labor with screaming, like, oh, no. like she was in pain. Yeah. And I, I mean, how can I sleep? How can I think? And I was so worried about my baby girl every single day. And at some point I told my husband, you know what? I feel so defeated emotionally, mentally, physically. Yeah. I just cannot do this anymore. I cannot walk through labor. I cannot even think about anything. I just want my baby girl to be in my arms so we know what can we do with her kidney. So I told my husband, let's do cesarean. Yeah. And he said, are you sure about this? I, said, I cried even telling him because again, another failure. I want to have natural birth so badly. But at the same time, like, I don't know if I have energy to go through all of this labor. I was already so exhausted. So he said, all right, up to you. And I told my OB and my OB said, all right, let's do this. And my midwife still, are you sure you don't want to try natural birth? I will stay with you. Are you sure about this? And I said, I'm very sure. I don't want it. So anyway, get me prepped for the surgery. They put me to sleep, right? Completely completely sleep yeah and I think like maybe my husband said around half an hour and the nurse woke me up to just to show me like my ma'am this is your baby here and I was like and I would just I saw my baby cry and I'm just like oh I'm like oh okay hi baby and then I went back to sleep next thing I know I was in the recovery room surrounded by this many people there was a lot of people in that recovery in the recovery room and my wife my husband my parents our friend the nurse oh. and I was I was still in shock and the bright light and I remember my midwife put the baby on top of me and then now I know like she tried to make her to breast crawl but she did not because she just cried the entire time and I'm like what is she doing in my head like what is my baby doing what is she trying to do you know oh, it's yeah. like so many things to process and she did not want to latch like she kept giving uh my midwife kept giving uh my baby my like towards the breast here and she was just crying and cry and cry at that moment I'm like can everybody leave me alone please but I cannot say that you know I'm just like can everybody leave me alone can I just be with my baby and a couple hours later I was in the room with my baby and everybody was gone my husband and then my baby was in that uh carry you know the little bassinet plastic bassinet next to me 
and I was in so so in pain from the incision. I look at her. My husband fell asleep on the couch. I look at my baby next to me in that bassinet. I was looking at her. I was like, "That's it. That was the baby that I was looking forward to meet my entire life, my entire pregnancy." There's no joy at all. There's no like, oh, give me, give me the baby. Uh, give no, I was just looking at her sleeping. I'm just like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I want to cry even now. Like think, thinking about that time because I remember my friend who gave birth was telling me, oh, you will, your pain will be gone once you see your baby. And I was like, what? Gone. My pain is so horrible right now. I cannot feel any joy yeah. seeing my baby. And yeah, from that moment, it was basically, it was a rough, rough, mm. rough postpartum days. And she still did not latch for the next three days. And I went back to the breeding center to get help her latch. And I was engorged and everything. And finally, I got help. It was good. And for this, this, this moment here that I definitely want to like highlight, because my midwife, my main midwife knows how she feels bad about it because she knows I want to have a natural birth. So one night I was by myself with my baby. My husband was out to get some dinner. I was staying at the breeding center at this time. And she came, my midwife came to me and said, oh, your baby still did not want to latch. I said, no, I tried everything, still did not want to latch. All right, let's do this. So I laid down uh, on the bed. And then she kind of opened my legs like that. And because I, I was like naked and with undies and my baby was naked. And then she was, she's sitting like uh, towards the end of the bed. And he said, let's do this. I know you want to feel your baby. Uh, I, I want, I know you want your baby to come up vaginally. So as my baby cried and she put my baby close to my vagina and then do the, and then pull her and lift her up. And as she said, look, you just rebirth, you just do another uh, bird again. Here's your baby. Now catch her and put her in your chest. And I was, because I really wanted that so badly. I did that. I catch my baby. I put her in my breast. I cry. She cried. I mean, I'm still crying until now, but she latched on that. It's like something that like, I wanted to be somebody to like know how broken I, I felt after the birth you know I'm like I just want my baby I just want to feel her I just you know and so she knew that I didn't get that and she, I feel like she feels bad about about that too so she tried to help me to reconnect with my baby and she did latch after that uh, thank thank god and we came to the U.S. when she was one month old so no no such thing as postpartum days here no such thing as honoring 40 days and the funny thing was my culture is we are very honoring 40 days my mom's always tell me stay home don't go anywhere don't leave the house but I'm always like "Ah, it's very like superstitious thing you know and because it is it was kind of like more superstitious too so I kind of like no I don't really believe that and so when she was a month old we went back to the U.S. (laughs) which is she was like 30 days right and but during that month before I was busy getting everything ready to travel to the U.S. with my incision everything I mean no wonder I was I had a horrible postpartum depression but anyway I went back to the U.S. 
I went to the U.S. with my husband now as a new family alone, no friends, no family in Los Angeles. It's like, it was the, I think one of the hardest, hardest time ever in my life. Wow. I did not expect what to expect, basically. I was like, okay, here's, I get my baby. Oh, okay. My husband, like, I get a break now. And here I am with a new city with nobody. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody and just trying to survive. So the whole first year with her, it was all the hardest to the point I told my husband, it's one and done. I don't want to have another kid. There's no way I'm going to do this again. I don't want to go through any, any, any of this again. So, and he wants four. And I was like, yeah, you got to live with it. We're going to have one. Anyway, so postpartum, I had a horrible postpartum depression. But as a thing, you know, as she gets older, things get easier and stuff. And as for her kidney, she did get surgery from the children's hospital here. And the funny thing was her kidney at this point is still the same size as she was in the womb. So all of those crazy... Uh, all of the suggestions from doctors, uh, you know, all of doctors basically saying, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to, you know, do surgery for her. None of this, if we just leave her be. What did the surgery do? Basically, they need to cut, there's like the, uh, it, it, there's a blockage, right, in that urinary, that tract. Yeah, tract. So they need to cut that, and which is true. So she has a, uh, like a cesarean scar. They did it like uh, on her abdominal when she was one year old. And we thought like that was it. Like her doctor was like, yeah, that was it. And then she should be fine after that. And then she, we got, every time we follow up about her kidney, her doctor was like, oh, you know what? Actually, we might have to do another one. So basically what he did, what he did to my baby did not fix the kidney at all and then he still want to do another one of that hoping this will fix it it will get rid of that blockage and but at this point my husband and I we were like hell to the no <laughs> we were not we're not going to put our baby girl in you know going through the same thing again they put her to sleep completely and you know and then she has all kind of problems after that she has speech delay she has horrible eczema and stuff so and then it's all because Uh, we are trusting doctors you know so when do you when do you start like waking up to just saying no to all of this stuff uh I mean I basically never questioned it ever since my baby girl was here. I was like, why does it happen? Why does it happen? Why does it happen? Why, you know? So I never stopped questioning it. I mean, I maybe like a couple of years, like two, three years, I start following maybe like bird keeper at that time, the term. And I'm like, what is bird keeper? You know? And I forgot what's the name. This is like on Instagram. And she just basically sharing all of this about, the fact about birth, about breastfeeding and everything. 
And I mean, there was a moment I was in denial. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. You know, I don't know. At some point it just clicked and I read again and I'm like, that is what it is. It did. Oh, so you just, you know, when it just clicked, it just clicked and you can unclick it again. <sighs> so I'm like, oh, wow, this is interesting. It's amazing. I was being lied to. And now fast forward 2020, uh, thanks to actually pandemic really bring me even better perspective because mm-hmm. she was all she was with us all the time uh, my daughter just like everybody you know they stuck with their kid you know like you know like stuck like I was feeling bad for her because she's like want to go outside but she cannot she wants to meet her friends but she cannot and I saw her playing by herself and I was just looking at her and I'm like oh my goodness I think it would be nice if I can give her siblings, but I don't want to give her siblings for a reason, just for like, oh, she's not going to be lonely reason. So it it took me a while to like, do I really want to do this? Not because of society, not because of the pressure from everybody, but I know I feel definitely I can feel it that I want it. I just, I know like, yes, this is, I do want to expand our family and I can see us having a bigger family now. So we, and I told my husband and then he's super excited about it. And we try right away. And then we got pregnant a few months later. This is with our second baby girl. And I found a radical birth keeper at this point. I was six weeks pregnant. And then I did a trauma debrief with her. And so she explained to me about what happened to my birth. Because at this point in my head, you know what? I want to do right. I want to talk to somebody that is that understands this, but not doctors. Because nobody understands about what I feel. Nobody. They think they know, but they don't. So I was like, okay, I want to like do this thing right. I want to talk to somebody. And I had a trauma debrief. She helped me a lot to see what is going on. And then from that moment, I was just basically, oh, I got this. That was not my fault. My body never broken. That was, it it never was, you know. I never had a low milk supply. I had a freaking cesarean. My baby can't latch. The way, the reason she can't latch because they clean her nose right after birth and then she couldn't breathe so she cannot you know the, the position was so uncomfortable for her but I may believe that was you know my fault even like the hospital transfer and everything so it was just kind of like crumbling from that all these old beliefs and I'm like oh I, I got this and so my pregnancy was I mean it was it was easy with her but I do have some rocky times with my husband that thank God we finally address it and we are stronger than ever now. My first baby, uh, Bert, she's basically who was telling me, mommy, stop asking people's opinion, looking for other people's uh, validation or, you know, just trust yourself. Cause I knew like at that time I knew like something was not right, but yet I trust other people to decide that for me so and in my head I'm like all right that's I owe that to myself and I owe that I owe that to her so that's why I said at this 
birth and pre this pregnancy and birth, I'm done asking people. And I'm, I'm done asking people's opinion. And I found Yolanda's group, <laughs> which it was, you know, it's like an oasis because at that time I'll feel the loneliest ever. My, my first trimester, I have no idea. Like, you know, I don't know anybody. And then during COVID, like that was 2021, but still COVID still in the thick of it. And I saw Yolanda's Instagram saying, you can join my circle. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to join the circle. So I joined the group. And when I saw this bunch of uh, birth calls, pregnancy calls, and I'm like, oh my God. And I just keep going, attending all of them. And for the first time I was, I felt, where, oh my God, this is what every pregnant woman should be and should have this support. I mean, obviously I, I was hoping it was in, like, you know, physical, not online, but still yeah. I just <clears throat> having all this woman with their knowledge, with their experience, able to like tell, you know, each other and just listen, just, you know, just give you the space to talk and share your worries and your fears. Yeah. So I was so thankful for that. Definitely uh, the group helped me a lot to reshape for sure how, how I want it to be even more. Yeah, my prenatal village during my baby girl, my second baby pregnancy was completely night and day. I, I, I went to the circle, I went to the women's circle, I went to Prindle Village, I took a walk all the time, I had chiropractor care, I got a massage every two weeks, no doctors, but this is, so that was good, that was, that was like amazing, I think I have recommend every pregnant woman to have that type of prenatal care, although I do still have challenge at that uh, time where my husband was pro home birth. He's all about home birth, but he's not necessarily pre birth because <laughs> he's like his his mother uh, gave birth all the three kids at home, and so he was like, I saw I saw my siblings, you know, being born at home, so it's fine. But he thinks we need to have a midwife, and at the time I was like, you know what? I know it's, it's like, I have to like put some set strategy around this. I said, I told myself, I'm going to have big bird. I don't care, but I'm going to play the game for a little bit. Okay. If my husband wants to have a um, midwife, okay, let's shop around. Let's interview a bunch of midwives, which I did. We interviewed five midwives and of all the five, we like this one midwife and she has, we met her and she's basically the most pro-natural home birth midwife she says she already gave her 999 babies through feedback and we were like so we hire uh, we'll hire you and but I did mention to her that about my first birth that I went to 42 weeks and I told her what if this pregnancy I will go past 42 weeks and then she said, uh, it's not a problem. Lies. And said, Lies. And I was like, I'm like, it's not. And she said, yeah, 
uh, actually, you I can uh, since I like she can provide an OB to come to the house during uh, my labor. So basically, she give me another week after after I pass for the two weeks, and then if I'm in labor, she will call this OB to witness me during labor. So it make it like legal for her to to assist. She said it will be fine, but at the same time, that means I have to pay a couple extra thousand dollars mm-hmm. to have the OB. Mm-hmm. You know. So at the time I was like, okay, so that actually that is not fine then, you know, because I have to pay extra, you know, if it's fine, then it should be fine. And I know that's like the biggest red flag for me because at this moment I'm like, I will, I'm not going to do anything to bring my baby out, you know, like nothing. I will do zero, literally like nothing. So I just, it's like, you know, when you know, you can smell it already, but at the same time, I have to kind of like, I have this other like I know I, I don't like to say it but like job to like or I have to be patient I have to make my husband understand a little bit you know so I have that although I keep telling him this is my birth I'm going to give it this baby so it's all it's I make decision so he understand that part until that part only so he's still like yeah but we need somebody with experience to help us to go through all of this process, you know? And I said, I, we don't need it. So it was pretty, it was quite stressful, stressful uh, time for me to like trying to come on and, you know, get him understand. And then I scroll Instagram and then I saw Christine's course about reunion. And I read it. I was like, this is it. This is, this is it. We're going to do this. I signed up right away. I told my husband, this is amazing. This course is going to be great for both of us. They just, you know, and he said, all right, okay, sure. I'll, I'll go. And literally it changed his view of birth completely, that course. And then he's actually really having, he had a great time too. Every time we go there, it's, it's really nice because it's so relaxing. It was with five other couples, basically learn about physiological birth. Even for me, I was like, oh, wow, about the water, if your water broke and stuff. It's, that's a lot of good information. And for my husband, it was, that's crazy. Nobody told us about this. So from that moment, we know this midwife is not in the picture anymore. And, but I do know I want to have birth keeper because I just feel like I want some energy from other women. I want to be whole and witness from wise woman so I asked Yolanda if she knows anybody in LA and she gave me two names I think and I emailed uh, both of them and I'm thankful Elisa is and Elisa answered and then yeah we met and I told my husband right away I want her I want her and yeah sure then so she's so glad that she was in my birth team and everything was basically, and from that moment, everything just worked so perfectly. So I go into labor at 43 weeks plus four days. It was also very hard because I remember there's four pregnant people around me that had due date near each other and all of them had a baby except me. At that moment, I was like, am I going to be in labor? Basically? Well, hey, someone's got to be last. <laughs> I mean, I think 
<laughs> yes, fortunately, it's me. And so I had seven days of prodromal labor that start from, I remember it was Saturday to, to Saturday. So the first Saturday, I was, you know, just like every, every pregnant woman at the very last of the pregnancy, I'm so exhausted. I took a walk and I started feeling contraction that day. And I was so excited again. I told my husband, let's get home and set the pool. <laughs> In my head, this is the day because it gets stronger. And I called Elisa and she came to our house. And I was in uh, I was in labor all night long. I was into the, I got into the pool. It feels so good. And then, sure enough, like around five six a.m., it fills it out again. And then like nothing happened again. It's like oh I'm okay again. You know like I'm I can talk. Everything's fine. So, and Elisa said like that's okay. It's good. You know everything. You know work just the way it is. And Tuesday and Monday contractions and stop again. Tuesday contractions stop again. And Wednesday contraction. And this is all day, all night. So I call Elisa again to come and she stay the night with us. And the next day, it was like lasted for 55 hours, basically. I was in, I have a contraction for 55 hours. And then in the morning, it was gone. And at this point, my husband was, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure we don't want to check? Maybe something is not right. Because I have zero ultrasound and I don't want it. And I said, I don't want it. I don't want it. And I went to, I went back to bedroom and he thought, oh, he's, she's probably give up. And I came back and I said, all right, head back in the game. Let's do this again. So I'm like, I'm not going to the hospital. I know because everything is fine. I talk to my baby every day. She's fine. And Thursday, another contraction. And that was Thanksgiving day. I was so tired being at home. So I told my husband, let's go have lunch somewhere in the restaurant. And they came back home, had contraction, lasted all night and was gone again on Friday morning. So that Black Friday, contraction all day, I went shopping. I was like so exhausted at this point. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go retail shopping. therapy. Yes. I'm like, I'm gonna, I don't care. I'm going to go shopping at Black Friday. I was in the line. That's I have funny. contractions. I don't care. I told my husband, if I'm going to give birth at the mall, I will give birth at the mall. So, but oh my God, just, that would be a was, story. <laughs> but I was like, I don't care. I just don't want to be at home all the time. And contraction and the Saturday morning, uh, this is maybe... I was physically exhausted at this moment because I haven't slept for a week. Um, and my husband started getting more worried because we still, we get all the pressure from the family. Like, are you sure everything is okay? Are you sure you don't want to go to the hospital? Are you sure you don't want to get ultrasound, at least one ultrasound to make sure. And I keep saying, no, 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 no. So my husband's had this little like, you know, wobbly, like, are you sure you don't want it? And I said, no. So that Saturday morning, I had a Reiki session with Christine and it helped a lot. And later on in the afternoon, because my husband still worried, he thought my baby was transverse. That's why she, can't, she doesn't want to come out. He, I don't know where he got the idea from. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to update Yolanda about this, okay? And see if we can ask Yolanda more about it. And so I told Yolanda about it and I said, 
do you think we can have a call? And she said, yes, let's go have a quick call. And so we have a quick call with her. And after that call, basically my husband's like, all right, everything is fine. It's, it's kind of like reassuring me and him in particular, like, all right, it's fine. And I, I remember I kept, because Yana is like, talk to your baby. What does your baby say? You know? So I talked to my baby. I said, baby, are you okay? If it's not, please tell mommy. Did mommy sabotage your voice or something? You know, I'm here. I'm listening. I swear to God, my baby always said, I'm good, mommy. I'm good. I swear. That's like her voice. Just be patient. And I was like, see, she's fine. She's really fine. Funny. And yeah, sure enough, that Saturday, she, I was in labor all day, basically, in the bedroom. But I, I thought, I'm, I just want to be alone. But I need my husband so badly. And my daughter wants to play with him all the time. So he feel like pulled from every direction. So I asked my friend to pick her up. As soon as my, my friend picked her up, my labor like starts, like pick up so fast, basically. And I remember uh, maybe like around four, my friend picked my daughters at four and then my baby girls was born at 8.15 uh, p.m. So I had this, it, it just, I know it got intense. The contraction got so intense because I know I cannot sit, I cannot sleep. I, can, I cannot, any, I cannot send up. I just cannot do anything. And which we talk about this, like I, I talked to Elisa, Amanda, everybody's basically saying, I was probably in transition at that point because I was just like, I I know I told my husband, what is this? This is so painful. Why is it so long? I don't think I can do this. Then my husband actually, because he listens so well, he's like, oh, he said he cannot do this. So she can. So maybe this is getting close. So it was so intense. I asked my husband to get the top, uh, the top ready, because I was like, I need a, a hot water. And I know I was so impatient. And then as soon as it's done, I get into the tub. And it was, it was I maybe for like 10 seconds. And I told my husband, get me out of the tub, get me out of the tub. I'm like panic because I feel like too confined for some reason. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't like it, get me out. I was like panic. And so I got up the tub. I was shivering, like crazy shivering. Like, like I was in seriously, I never shivered like that before. And so my husband's like, all right, get a, a heater. I have like five towels around me because I was like just shivering. And five minutes later, I was hot, like sweating. I was just like throw all the towels, like I don't need all of this. And then after that, I feel my body wants to push. So I throw my body on the floor, like all fours. And I told my husband, I feel like I need to push. And then he said, okay, good, then push. And then I told him, don't tell me what to do. I don't want to hear from you. It's like, I don't want to hear from a male, you know? So I told him, call Elisa. So basically, I was fearless. I don't have that much worry until that pushing moment. Because it's just so foreign to me. I have no idea how it is. I feel like it's like a possess, right? It's just out-of-body experience. So I was like, call Elisa. at this Because uh, it was just me and him, basically. I told my husband, I was just you and me here, Okay. And we call, he called Elisa, she didn't pick up the phone, but I know I need to talk to somebody like to telling me, this is okay, this is fine, this is normal. I said, call my friend Amanda and Amanda pick up the phone. And I told her, I want to push. And she said, 
that's good that's so good like super calm and very affirming like oh my god and I'm like how long do I I still ask how long do you think I will have to push <laughs> because I'm like this is crazy I was roaring and pushing roaring it was exhausted in my head there's no way I can do this for an hour I will die in my head I'm, like, I'm gonna die if I push this long basically and Amanda was like uh just do it just you know just into your body and as I still like on the floor my, in my head I was like I need something to I need to go somewhere that like can hold me like steady so I saw the my my toilet I was like I need to go to the toilet so I went to the toilet and I sit on the toilet and I push and I roll <laughs> and then maybe I would say like 15 minutes uh, my husband my husband's like right in front of me I almost broke his nose because I was just like <laughs> put my face against his face because I was like ah oh, he's like you are so strong he said and yeah and he was out he was out pink crying with covered with little phoenix too beautiful baby I've ever seen and yeah it was it was like can I believe she's here? Can I believe we did it? And which I thought we will, will cry, but we did not cry at all. We were just, you know, we're like laughing and smiling. Wait, was it a boy or a girl? It was a girl. A girl. It was a girl. Yeah. No. It was a girl. And 20 minutes later, Elisa came. <laughs> so, so it was just meant to be just me and my husband, basically for, uh, you know, for the bird. And yeah, she came and uh got into my bed right away she nursed right away mm. it was you know just beautiful and I told my husband at that time I cannot wait to do this again <laughs> you know it was not orgasmic birth, but I was but I know I cannot wait to do this again I want to do it again like you know and so yeah that was it was really I don't know. I'm, yeah, I still cannot find the word for it, but I cannot believe I did it with all these doubts from people. And uh, so the placenta came a little longer <laughs> than usual. It was 34 hours. 34? 34 hours. I think if there's any fear around it, I would say placenta was one of my biggest fear. It, during pregnancy, I... I I tried to address everything, but I think the placenta I have, it was pretty strong for me to have that fear. What if doesn't want to come out? Because I have this fear of like, oh, I have a cesarean scar. What if it's going to attach to that and they don't want to come out? And, you know, so I make that story in my head too. So I think it, it is kind of like manifest to the reality of my placenta bird. And because at some point it was, I'm like, you know what? I'll try it. I'll, I'll try every like one hour. Um, but at the same time, I know I'm, I have a fear like every time I try, is it going to come out? Is it going to come out? So I still have that doubt. Mm -hmm. And I remember I call Yolanda, I text Yolanda. I said like, hey, my placenta, uh, I still haven't brought my placenta. And then she called right away. And then she's like, all right, I needed to do this. Um, I needed to squat on a ball and give a gentle tuck and you push like you push your baby. So when she said that, it's like, ah, I need, that's right. That's what I didn't do. I'm just giving a little like push. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And yeah, sure enough, I give, I was roaring, well, not as, you know, powerful yeah. as the baby, but I was like, ah, and she flop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because Yolanda was like, no, the thing is, you want to get rest and you cannot rest until your placenta was out, you know? And so. I think, I know that many, 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 many women who are having these autonomous births don't know how much effort a lot of placentas need, mm. right? So I want to be clear here for, for women listening, because there's this, you know, kind of misunderstanding in the free birth world and with new radical birth keepers who don't have any experience that some placentas just take 24 hours or 34 hours and it's no big deal. And I want to be clear here that it is extremely unlikely that a placenta hasn't detached after the first hour or two. But what happens is the placenta, you know, is pretty darn big, right? Yeah, it's it's huge. It's huge. And it's it's detached in the first couple hours, you know, usually first hour, but it's sitting over a cervix, which is not huge, right? Let's Mm -hmm. say it's this big or so. And then we have this placenta over it. And so if you think about the mechanics of that, you know, sometimes of course they just slide out and sometimes you'll hear of women just plop, Mm -hmm. but a lot of time it's not like that. And we need to cough and pull and, and actually work to get it out. But, but women, you know, don't know that because why would they, it's no fault Mm -hmm. of their own, but women don't know that. And so I hear these free birth stories, you know, all the time where it's like, oh, my placenta just didn't want to come for 12, 18, 24, 35, 48 hours. And that's not, um, normal. Mm-hmm. And what is most likely happening is the woman didn't know how to get it out. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so unless it's like a really rare situation, like what you were afraid of, like placenta accreta, mm-hmm. unless it's something very unlikely, it's more like what your situation sounds like where you just didn't know your birth keeper's brand new, you know, mm-hmm. you just didn't mm-hmm. know that it wasn't going to just plop out you had nervousness about it. Totally understandable. But I just, I know a lot of women will listen to this episode and I just want to speak to all of them and, you know, listening that there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, the ignorance of, of not knowing how to get it out, but we may as well help spread some, some helpful information, right. That, you know, as a birth keeper, you shouldn't be leaving a birth until the placenta is successfully out. And, and the mother very likely will need some support on how to get it out, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the mother postpartum is so tight in mm-hmm. her hips and in her pelvis. It's normal that they're like spasming or even shaking. Mm-hmm. And the thought of trying to open that again and push is like a crazy idea, mm-hmm. right? And just like yeah. with Yo, she just needed to tell you and then beautifully it's right there, which lets us know it wasn't still attached to your uterine lining. It was, it was ready to come and it had probably been ready to come for a really long time. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's important. And I'm glad you shared that part of this story because it's not unusual that I hear about these, these births outside the system where it takes all this time, but yeah, I hope I'm making that clear. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely, that's something 
right away my husband and all right our next bird yeah. our next free bird <laughs> placenta will be you know definitely after right after a baby's birth you know I definitely and I now mean, you I won't be you won't be scared yeah. anymore yeah you've done exactly. it exactly. exactly yeah yeah so yeah and I completely and yeah when the placenta was out I was and I'm like yeah that was right because I cannot rest again because I have all this fear too oh, like how can I rest the birth's you know? not over the birth, exactly the birth is not over and but yeah it, it was out it was my husband uh, ex- uh, inspected it it was beautiful mm-hmm. um, I think Yolanda helped too he she helped my husband <laughs> through the I process bet. yeah and yeah thank god everything um still intact mm-hmm. everything you know and yeah I don't uh, I don't have any blood loss whatsoever I everything basically fine and yeah healthy yeah that's why and then I'm like and yeah it was again it really changed uh, everybody I mean definitely myself my husband because you know even him now like oh we're gonna fever our next baby now you know it's like so it was Again, uh, just like I've heard from you, Yolanda, every, you know, woman, wise woman, which I thought once my midwife was a wise woman before too. When you just leave the bird undisturbed, you know, it's, it always turns yeah. fine. I mean, and, yeah. your, your previous midwife in Bali is a medical provider. And that is a very different paradigm than, than the one Yolanda and I operate within and medical providers don't understand physiological birth. I don't care how famous she is or how nice her birth center is. She doesn't support physiological birth, right? Even though medical midwives act like they do. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Which is a whole nother, another tangent, but I I just, I love this story and I'm so proud of you. And it's such a big reclamation and just overcoming, you know, so much bullshit with the system and, and, you know, birth is designed to make you want to do it again. (laughs) Yes. I heard, (laughs) I remember you definitely mentioned that in other podcasts before. And I remember, uh, I think one of my favorite story of feedback story from, uh, Freebird was Mari, 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 Mari. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, her feedback stories was, I think, one of my favorite. I think I listened four times, like, <laughs> just to be like, oh, my God, look at her. She's so, like, I have fearless. I have no worried about it, and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, yes, I will be like that, too, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, Beautiful. again, this podcast helped me so much to, you know, getting information out there that I can mm-hmm. find. And, like, you know, okay. yeah, on the book, you can, but... Yeah. Somebody else's story is different. When I know. You hear them, it just, it hits different. So, and how cool that you get to be contributing. I know. And I would keep telling Yolanda, I think, like, I don't know, when I first started the group, I was like, maybe one day I will, you know, I was still like four months pregnant. I'm like, maybe one day I will be in the podcast. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yes, of course. <laughs> you know, you never know. I'm like, beautiful. So, thank you so much for having me and letting me share my birth stories and uh, yeah it's such an mm-hmm. honor and yeah it's thank you yeah thank seriously. you for your time thank you so much Emily 
And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honoured. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death. Ascension, I will fly and bring her back.